2: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of RussLomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live from snowy Buffalo, New York, we are where today Today is January 2nd, 2022, uh, and I'm joined today by my my fellow cisgendered white male, Chris Cull. Uh, it's great
3: to be here, and we have quite... The show for you today on today's episode, we're going to discuss the comments from Big Swole and Tony Khan's response on Twitter and everything that came with that. We're also going to discuss uh, the holiday tour live events for WWE, including the one in Buffalo that I attended. Uh, We're going to uh, discuss some COVID protocol changes at the WWE Performance Center and much more on this first WrestleNomics of 2022.
2: Yes. That was so professional. That was excellent. Outstanding job, Chris Call. Well, okay. You. Are, are, are you ready to talk about race and gender? Ready to go? Well, let's just get right into it. Uh... <laughs> okay. First, let's, let's start. I'll let you read this. Let's start with, this is from November 30th. Just to put put us totally in context here. When Big Swole posted that she would be leaving AEW on November 30th.
3: Yeah, so this was from uh, Big Swole on Twitter. Over the past couple months, my life has taken on the mantra, grow, learn, change. Dealing with shadow work took strength I didn't know I had. I thank God for my loving family because they got me through some of the roughest months of my life. But I realized the real test is application. So I took my leap and after speaking with TK and AEW higher officials, we've decided not to renew my contract with All Elite Wrestling. This was a hard decision, but a needed one. I am grateful for their understanding that we can mutually come to this agreement. I've enjoyed my time with AEW and wish them all the best. I appreciate their love and welcome me into the family. Today is my last day and as bittersweet as it is, I am proud to say that I lived my dreams while making a difference that is swole mentality.
2: Okay. So, then on new year's eve not that late in the evening yet she uh did a this is is call in live dot call call in just call com, which is apparently a a website where you can it's just an audio stream where you can have some sort of uh audio stream and and then she was taking calls um listeners of of post wrestling Will be familiar with Hanzi was was I think her first caller, uh, but um, so people have probably heard. I'm guessing a lot of people who are, who are listening are, are are aware of the news that we're talking about today and have probably seen her comments referred to uh, the the story that Tony Khan ends up quote tweeting, which is a fightful story uh, transcribes a lot of her comments, uh, really all all of the comments. Well, a lot of the comments that are there are pertinent to this. Um, but we're going to play about a minute and 45 second clip of what she actually said, just so we can hear it directly from Big Swole.
4: There's, there's nobody, there's no representation, truly. And when there is representation, it does not come across in the black community as genuine at all. And I, I feel like there's, I don't know why everybody's just so either afraid to accept it or either afraid to say it, but it's just It's just not a good look. What what happens is, is you have this wonderful company that treats people like family, but there's nobody that looks like me that is represented at the top. They're not in the room with them. You know, they're not helping to, you know, not necessarily influence decisions, but also be there to explain, you know, why, hey, why certain certain slang, why this certain word shouldn't be said, why, you know, why this, that, there's no one else who can explain our culture, except for us, who can explain our experience, except for us. And just the fact that, like, I knew something was up when my daughter, she loves watching wrestling. She would watch AEW all the time. And seldomly watched WWE. No, she was not necessarily a fan of the product, unless Dad was on TV. Which, of course, you know, stopped happening after they botched the Hurt Business. But uh, (laughs) she started saying, Mommy, there's nobody that looks like me on AEW. And she's like, Mommy, there's nobody that looks like Daddy. And I was like, well... And then she started watching WWE because she saw... Bianca she saw you know Biggie like she was seeing people she saw herself represented and okay
2: so I I should mention too she's referring to AEW throughout there um this was not the main topic of of her audio stream it wasn't uh the 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 diversity part um she talked a lot about her her time with at AEW um this was a part of it and, and a big part of the latter I would say half or so, especially after she started taking some calls. Um, so <clears throat> so that happens. Um, news sites, at least Fightful, transcribe your comments and post a story about it. Um, so Tony Khan had some comments, which you can read. Yeah, Tony Khan
3: actually uh, quote tweeted the uh, Fightful link, and he wrote, The two top AEW executives are brown, me and Mega, uh, Jade Bowens, Caster, Dante, Nyla, Isaiah, and Mark Quinn all won on TV this month. The TBS title tournament has been very diverse. I let Souls' contract expire as I felt her wrestling wasn't good enough. Hashtag AW Rampage, street fight tonight.
2: Yes. So so Tony Khan did what what any reasonable person would do when they're having an, an issue, especially like a, on a sensitive topic like um, race. Just go to Twitter and resolve this issue. Um by the way, if, if people are not familiar with Mega Meg, if I'm saying her name right, Mega Perrick I might be pronouncing her last name wrong as well. She's the executive vice president and chief legal officer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, she def her, her LinkedIn profile says that she was working in a role for AEW until 2020 or so. But I, I gathered that she's still very much involved with with AEW by the from the context of that tweet. Um, so you got Leo Rush tweeting things like apologize in all caps. Um but the next day on yesterday, New Year's Day, almost four o'clock, he yeah. he he posts. He's clearly he's clearly upset. Uh you've got also other people in AEW making tweets to to show that to say that they've been they're happy with how things are, people who are people of color and so forth. And but but then others not happy about it, including Leo Rush, who's in AEW. And then finally uh yesterday afternoon he posted he went to the, the notes app and posted this
3: yep so he went to notes app and said i want this to be clear i do not consider this to be a diversity issue and i at no point have thought or said that AEW or tony is racist we can clearly all see that wrestling as a whole and the AEW roster is perpetually diverse now the issue at hand was a Racial incentivity issue. Uh, Having spoken to Tony and Mega, we have discussed the endeavors to further understand the struggles of the black community. I am grateful to be able to understand more about Tony and Mega's own ethnic backgrounds and glad that they are actively seeking input from an African American perspective. I am proud to work for a boss and a company who tries to make these strides in social uh, equality. I look forward to working with Tony to keep making steps toward positive change. And I pray that 2022 is a year of positive change in all aspects.
2: Mm-hmm. So we'll go over some, some data now. Um, we'll look at WB and AW. Uh, I'm going to look at their at the top. We'll we'll explain as we go, but, um, I wanted to, it was easier for me to look at, uh, women's matches compared to men's matches as opposed to uh when it comes to race figuring out what race everyone was um there in, in AEW's case they have countless wrestlers who have had one-offs or have only had a couple matches for AEW just because dark is is so prolific um i i did try to try to figure out everybody's race but at at a, at a certain point it was like i i just I, by Visual site, I just don't know. Um, but what we can do is we can look at this. <clears throat> so what I, I have the cage match data scraped, and I went through, fortunately with our cage match data, we have match order as a column. So I took the match that was the latest match, theoretically the main event, in each TV program uh, in 2021, the entire year. The great thing about doing a podcast on January 2nd is we can cleanly look at the recently finished calendar year. Um, And I looked at the last match on each TV program in 2021 of AEW Dynamite, AEW Rampage, WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, and NXT. So those five, the big five weekly wrestling programs in the case of WWE, um just because they're more often than the AEW programs, ending the program with something that's not a match. This may or may not be as pertinent to WB, but the results seem intuitive. Um in the case of AEW, I think this is pretty reliable because I I, I remember when the um the go home show to Full gear happened, and, and uh, there's a contract signing between Kenny Omega and Adam Page. It, was, it's, it really stood out that, oh, they, they ended this Dynamite without a match. Um, so almost every Dynamite and Rampage are ending with a match. So it does reflect the main event. Why are we looking at the main event? Well, um, it gives you an idea of who's being put in prominent positions on the card. Um, but here they are. Uh, number one, the mo the person with the most last matches on A- on AEW uh, are John Moxley, Darby Allin, Kenny Omega, Eddie Kingston, Sammy Guevara, Matt Jackson, Chris Jericho, Penta, Pac, MJF, Miro, Lance Archer, John Silver, Cody Rhodes. We're gonna do the top twenty-five: Ray Phoenix, Orange Cassidy, Nick Jackson, Carl Anderson, Jungle Boy, Britt Baker. Doc Gallows, Dax Harwood, Daniel Garcia, and Andrade. Um, so that's the 25. Um, how many of those, Chris Gullo, of those people that we just named, are people of color?
3: Um, I mean, there's a few. Uh the the, the Latin American community is represented, I think. <clears throat> yes. Heavily here. Yes. Um but f- because we're talking about it, uh, there is not a single african-american on those lists yeah
2: i think eddie kingston i think he mentions in the tribune article that he has a hispanic parent um sammy Guevara, i believe has at least one hispanic parent uh penta and ray phoenix are are mexican andrade is mexican uh as much time as i have spent with Dana Garcia, i'm not i'm not sure i, I don't know if that ever came up uh do you know i, I believe so yeah, yeah i believe so I know recently
3: there was a picture taken with all the um, uh, AEW wrestler of Hispanic heritage and Garcia was in the photo. So. Okay.
2: Okay. So, yeah. But no black and wrestlers. Andrade. Well. Andrade. So no black wrestlers. The rest of these folks, I, I would think, are white. But So when we go to WWE, number one with the most instances of having the last match on Raw, SmackDown, or NXT is Bobby Lashley. Followed by Jay Uso, Big E. Drew McIntyre, Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn, J- Jimmy Uso, Finn Balor, Tommaso Ciampa, Roman Reigns, Kofi Kingston, King Xavier Woods, Happy Corbin, <laughs> AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, Pete Dunn, Dominic Mysterio, Charlotte Flair, Cesaro, Brian Danielson, funny enough, Shinsuke Nakamura, Santos Escobar, Kyle O'Reilly, and Johnny Gargano. We've got two AEW wrestlers uh, who have left WWE on that list. So, uh, several, multiple black wrestlers on that list, right? Including Bobby Lashley, Big E, uh, Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and a few Hispanic wrestlers as well, right? Including, and Samoan wrestlers, the Usos, Roman Reigns. Yes. So the, the issue that I think a lot of people had with Tony Khan's tweet is that he mentions Jade Cargill, Anthony Bowens, Max Castor, Dante Martin, Nyla Rose, Isaiah Cassidy, and Mark Quinn, who are a private party, the latter two. Uh, None of them appear in this top 25 list of people who have had the most main events on Dynamite and Rampage. Uh, So there's that.
3: All right. And uh, moving on to... Let's see here. We're breaking down the title holders yeah. in so,
2: 2021. So, so something else we can look at is, well, who's had the titles? This is very similar. Uh, who have been the AW World Champions? Adam Page and Kenny Omega. Who have been the TNT Champions in 2021? Cody Rhodes, Sammy Guevara, Miro, Darby Allen. Women's Champions have been Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. AW Tag Champions have been Lucha Brothers and the Young Bucks. So we've got, as far as people who are people of color there, we've got Sammy Guevara, Hikaru Shida, Lucha Brothers, WWE, an abridged list of their many titles. Uh, WWE champions in 2021 have been Big E, Bobby Lashley, The Miz, Drew McIntyre. Universal champion was only Roman Reigns. Uh, Raw women's champion, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Nikki A.S.H., Rhea Ripley, Asuka, SmackDown Women's champion, Charlotte Flair, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks. So we've got, as far as people of color here, Big E, Bobby Lashley, Roman Reigns, Oscar, Bianca Belair, Sasha Banks. So more in the case of WWE looking at a limited number of their titles. Well, obviously, we could have gone even deeper, but that's let's look at the major titles I figured compared to AEW's fewer titles. Um and we can look, look at Google Trends too. This what's the what's the use of looking at this? You could say it's, called, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when we we'll look at Google Trends. Google Trends to me are basically a measure of yes, how literally it's a measure of how many how much people are searching for, in this case, a given personality. Um I think it's also reflective of name ID. I think it's reflective of mind share. By that I mean how much are people thinking about this person? And uh the top thirty we've got here, uh CM Punk, Big Show, Brian Daniels. This is in the entire year of twenty twenty one, actually January through November, because the the December data will be complete probably tonight Uh, CM Punk Big Show Brian Danielson John Moxley Sting Kenny Omega Adam Cole Chris Jericho Mark Henry Matt Hardy Aleister Black MJF Cody Rhodes Tony Khan Andrade Adam Page The Young Bucks Jake Roberts Jake Roberts is always performing well in the Google Trends Uh, Dustin Rhodes Miro this is worldwide by the way Uh, Tay Conti Darby Allen Christian Cage Orange Cassidy Jim Ross Thunder Rosa Britt Baker Taz Hikaru Shida and Brandy Rhodes, the top 30. Um, so, it's... We've got people of color here. Uh, Mark Henry, not a wrestler for AEW, but just an announcer. He hasn't had any matches yet in AEW. Um, Andrade, Tecanti, who's Brazilian, Thunder Rosa, who's Hispanic, and Hikaru Shida, who's Japanese. So... Oh, and Brandy Rhodes, of course. Um, so, there's that. Um... And we can look at two. This is concerned with gender. I took all the events for WWE and I categorized them into event categories. So we're looking at the house show category probably includes one show. The house always wins show. For, this is, again, for the entire calendar year of 2021. Um, but we've got pay-per-view pre-shows. We've got what I categorized as streaming events, which is dark, dark elevation the women women's eliminator tournament that they did that was on YouTube and the one instance of the Rampage Buy-in on the Friday night war night. <clears throat> basically, these are these are things that were on YouTube for them that I'm calling streaming. In the case of WWE, this will include uh 205, basically everything that's only on Peacock, uh 205 Live, WWE main event, NXT UK, and the Superstar Spectacle. There might be a couple of miscellaneous events in there as well. Um, and then we've got the television category, which in AEW's case is Dynamite and Rampage, and in WWE's case is Raw, SmackDown, and NXT. And then we've got pay-per-view. Or, as they have been retroactively renamed, live premium events. So I apologize to WWE for, for using this banned term. Um, but So what's, what stands out here? Uh, women overwhelmingly uh, dominate the, the pay-per-view pre-show uh, for AEW. Now, AEW does four pay-per-views in a year, so this was reflecting probably four uh, pay-per-view pre-shows. 67% of the matches on the pay-per-view pre-shows have been women's matches. Uh, if you compare that to WWE, it's only 38%. Um, streaming, uh, 31% of the streaming matches were women's matches, and then it, it diminishes from there, Which I which I think this is in order of importance, right? The streaming matches... At least these last three. Television is the next important, and pay per view is most important. 22% of the television matches have been women's matches. 14% of the pay per view matches have been women's matches for AEW. Uh, in the case of WWE, uh, it's more favorable, somewhat, to women, uh, where you've got their streaming shows. Only twenty percent of the matches are women's matches. This might be driven by two hundred five live until recently being all men's matches. Um, but anyway, the house show, the TV, and the pay per view for WWE are very similar. Twenty eight percent of house show matches are women's matches. Twenty nine percent of television matches and twenty nine percent of pay per view matches. Again, what is that? How does that compare to to w, or to AEW? you know, 22% of TV, 14% of pay-per-view versus we've got, we've got basically a breakdown of 71, 29 for WWE. Um, So there's that WWE has more women's matches by percentage. WWE is this massive brand, that massive company that has all these different brands of, of uh, wrestling. So they've got way, way, way more matches on the whole, but as a percentage um, at least on TV and pay per view, they have more women's matches, and in the case of AEW, they have on TV and pay per view a smaller percentage of women's matches. But if you're on streaming, where you know, if you're on dark and dark elevation, where things are somewhat less important, this is somewhat uh stacked by the women's eliminator tournament. I would guess not that much though, because of how the vast number of matches that have happened, um, on on um, Dark and Dark Elevation. Um, so, anyway. Now, another thing I, I looked at here is the number of minutes, the average length of men's and women's matches. Um, you would think that the uh, the women's matches would be shorter. That is that is the reputation, is that women women's matches are like two minutes, and then, then they get them out of there. So what we see is... And the, the main thing we I think we want to look at first is what what's happening on television and on pay-per-view uh the average match on television for men in AEW is about eight and a half minutes and it's just under seven minutes for women so shorter uh for women similar case though similar difference uh on television for WWE matches on WWE are actually longer on average uh almost 12 minutes for men on television in WWE just over 10 minutes on television uh, for women in WWE, which is very interesting because that's not the narrative on Twitter. I, I know WWE did a, did the Queen of the Ring tournament that had a exceptionally short <laughs> right, like every match was two or three minutes long. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of this just just the fact that these that the matches are all longer that the averages, right? I mean, for, at least for television, um, both the men's and the women's matches are longer on average. I think is probably driven by first. Firstly, you've got raw is three hours long and they've got to fill it out with something. Um, but even pay-per-view is longer. Uh, 14.4 minutes is the average pay-per-view men's match. 13.8 minutes is the average women's match. Um, and for women, the average pay-per-view match is actually longer. 12 and a half minutes for women, 12 minutes for men. I wonder if if that's driven by like battle Royals or something. I know they just did the, um, the women's battle royal. So, all right. And then, and then, uh, reviewership, right? And then we can look at viewership. This is something that I've sh- shared before. Um, so this is not terribly up to date. This is from the period of July 1st to September 12th. So, roughly almost the entirety of Q3, um, where we see that, uh, who has the largest white audience by percentage? It's AEW. Uh, who has the largest people of color audience? WD, and WWE has an especially large uh, black audience. With SmackDown in that period averaging 26% of its audience. Uh, black Americans is U.S. viewership. Uh, NXT 21% black. WWE Raw 23% black. Um, and the Hispanic audience by percentage for WWE is larger too. Um, even comparing against Impact. With Impact having a pretty small sample, I always sort of... At least in week-to-week changes, I'll say, you know, I wouldn't take the the week-to-week changes of impact that seriously. But if we're looking at a large period of time, average, where we've got many data points to average together, this is probably more reliable. Uh, 56% of the impact audience in this period was white, 18% black, 19% Hispanic, and 7% another race. Um, how does this compare to the universe estimate that is the entire U.S. population. Uh, the U.S. population, according to this, and maybe this is the television, I think this is the, the whole population, though. 61% white, 13% black, 19% Hispanic, and 7% another an race. Um, so this tells me that WB overindexes in, in black viewers. AW is right about on par with the population, but what I think, what I read from this though, is that maybe the potential audience of wrestling fans, maybe more so reflected in WWE, WWE's uh, breakdown, is that the average, that the the wrestling population or the potential wrestling audience is relative to the population disproportionately black, and if that's the case, AEW is not capturing that potential audience, or it's a, it's capturing an, an audience that is more reflective. Of, of the U.S. population. Um, so you know, another thing to look at here, this is just the people will often ask me, well, has it changed recently, you know, since they started to push, whether it's, you know, Bianca Belair or Big E? Um, I don't believe, I don't have it going back further than this, and I know there's a, there's an old Sports Business Journal article that references some Scarborough survey data. Uh, where the the percentage of of black viewers is is over 20% there, too. So I don't think that this is something that has grown or changed recently. Uh, I think this has been the W audience for a pretty long time. Um, So there's that. Um, Yes. I do
3: want to say, um, so, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later. I attended the live event in Buffalo. Uh, Six of the seven matches had a wrestler of color in in the show
2: mm-hmm.
3: and two of the seven matches featured females so
2: yeah so i i've theorized why why is there this difference in audience and maybe even maybe maybe it's even applicable to why there is this difference in in roster mm-hmm. and that when i've been on indie shows especially like the super indie shows I've been at, uh, you know, I did, did on territory and so forth. They used to, you know, after the mat, after I was done wrestling, I used to stand at the, at the merch table and you sort of look out at the crowd. And sometimes I would notice and think about it, be like, oh, wow, this is, this is disproportionately white men here. Um, and why, why is that? Maybe, maybe it, there are economic factors involved in that, you know, it did independent wrestling, both for fans and, and for wrestlers. I suppose there's a lot of travel involved um and in the case of of wrestlers there's training involved and uh these things cost money and as we know uh there's been a great deal of economic inequality throughout this country's history based on race so maybe that's part of it um but cl- clearly wwe i mean we just went over who's who's being featured prominently uh on these cards and this 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 is one analysis there's there's other things we could probably do to address this question but I mean, it's it's right from the top: Bobby Lashley and that number three, Big E. Um, and I mean, the, the the Usos are are Samoan. So there's clearly people who who are who are people of color who are featured in prominent roles uh, a lot more so than the case of WB. Um, so, any any other thoughts before we talk about Tony Khan's tweets?
3: Uh, no, I just I mean. We break down the data. We we show you know there could be tweets and responses all day long. We're trying to break down the data as best we can to kind of sh- paint the picture of what's actually going on, and and you can kind of see it there. And like I said, from my experiences at the live show, you know, WWE has a very very diverse roster, and I probably don't get enough credit
2: for it. Yeah, I mean, obviously this 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 is on New Year's Eve, and it, and uh, not that New Year's Eve was a determining factor, but you know this caused a lot of um. Subsequent reactions on Twitter and uh, a lot of controversy. So, I don't know. I think um, tweeting about this in the way that he did is not a great idea. Um, If we're talking about from a purely economic and PR standpoint, um, it makes the situation worse to address it the way that he did. Um, That's the perception that I have. Now it's Twitter. Maybe it's, it's probably only a relatively small portion of your audience that's going to be aware of this. Um, but it puts it more in people's minds. Um, we're probably not talking about Big Swole's comments this morning if he doesn't tweet what he tweeted. Um, and uh, this is not the first time that Tony Khan has uh, tweeted in reaction to criticism. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I when he when he tweeted this and I told you over oh, we're gonna have to talk about this. Uh, I said, "Oh, Tony Khan is two for three, two out of three weeks where he's uh, made us talk about something that we probably wouldn't talk about otherwise." It was a couple of weeks ago where he was responding to the, the Fox News article um, about about you know AW's ratings, what's going on with AEW's ratings, and Shad Khan had a had a tough week with Urban Meyer having to be fired and things like that. Um, so I think this what are the issues with the tweet is that, um, he's, he's mentioning wrestlers who are not featured that prominently who are mid carters. Um, and, uh, her wrestling wasn't good enough. A lot of people took issue with too. Um, I would imagine that Tony's feeling is that, you know, if somebody's going to criticize you in a way that he feels is not valid, not legitimate, uh, that it's beneficial to, uh, to react to it. And, uh, get that hashtag going he made sure to hashtag that aw rampage um so there have been times actually where tony Khan has not tweeted that much and uh according to social blade and um and aw did just fine i mean throughout uh throughout the spring and into the summer well i guess the, the, the entirety of the summer he averaged zero tweets per day um you know, he could have tweeted something to the effect of, you know, we're very proud of our our diverse roster and we're 100% committed to, you know, keeping that going going forward or something put more eloquently than that, um, you know. And another thing you could say is that, look, AEW's got uh, a pretty strong Hispanic representation, whether that's the Lucha Brothers Andrade, Sammy Guevara, Ricky Starks. Um, so, but it's... uh there is there is a lack especially of of black wrestlers featured in prominent positions um to to the really engaged fan with this type of information I think it does to lead to lead, lead one to wonder regardless of what the finish is uh, on uh so that the tBS title final will be Jade Cargill and Ruby Soho and if she wins. Well, is he, did they change the finish to, because of this, are they overcompensating? Um, if she, if she doesn't win, some people will will probably be upset, but, but yeah. Um, one thing that that Swell mentioned in the audio stream. And I listened to, to a a lot of it. I didn't listen to all of it, but a lot of it is, um, she mentions that, uh, you know, that people are saying, well, we just wait, wait three or four or five years, um, and then you you can you can have a, a you know a black main eventer or something like that a black champion in an AEW. um now the wrestlers have got to be over but part of being over is is a self-fulfilling prophecy of who you give um opportunities to to get over um is there somebody on the AEW roster right now especially on the men's side if you're going to feature taking it for granted that you're going to, going to feature the men more prominently. Is there somebody on the men's side who you would push to be a main eventer? Um, I don't know, maybe, but it brings to mind, uh, something that, uh, I remember James Baldwin saying in the 1960s, not that I was alive then about, um, Bobby Kennedy in like 1965 was, was saying that, you know, I think in, uh, 30 years or so we could have a black man be the president. And, um, James Baldwin say that you know, to the to the point of view of the of the barber in Harlem, Bobby Kennedy showed up two or three years ago, and uh, you know maybe to white people this this sounded like a a very refined and very optimistic thing to say that there could be a black president in thirty years, you know if you're good, you know if 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 everything goes right, if you behave, maybe you could be president, Um, in in a country where black people have been. Uh, discriminated against for our lifetime and beyond. And then obviously there's a history of, uh, of black people being stolen and uh, their labor labor being stolen, their children being stolen uh, to, uh, to build the country so that people can have an American dream so that, uh, you know, people like Shad Khan can come over and uh, immigrate to the United States and live the American dream, become a billionaire. Anything to add Call.
3: Um, No, but we do have quite a few Super Chats this oh, morning. Oh, wow. Uh, which, first off, thank you all. We're also seeing a lot of just great comments about thanking us for what we do. We really appreciate you guys for joining us this early uh, on a Sunday morning here. Um, but yeah, we had a few super chats and if you want to, uh, use the super chat feature, it starts at a dollar, whatever you feel like donating to ask a question. Uh, we'll start with the most recent one, but we can backtrack because the most recent one ties into what we've just talked about. Uh, easy attack. Uh, he, he, asked, uh, or he or she, I'm sorry. I uh, asked, is there any way to number crunch the numbers of the ages of black people who watch WWE programming and AEW programming? That's from Christopher Early.
2: I believe that's, that's Dr. Eley. Um, is, is there any way to, to number crunch the number of the ages? There might be if I had a, a Nielsen subscription, which I do not. <clears throat> Basically what happens with, with, the, with the television viewership data that, that I have and that you see, I'll put it back on the screen here. Um, so inf- information like this or really any um, TV viewership data is either through Showbiz Daily or, or some other source uh, that, that is generous enough to share with me Nielsen data. I would imagine if I, you know, uh, if I had a Nielsen subscription, uh, which costs, you know, tens of thousands of dollars and really only enterprises get Nielsen subscriptions. Um, I I might be able to generate some kind of report that would give me answers to that. Um, it's something I could ask for and, and look into. Um, but yeah, I, I I know we, we want like a, a, breakdown across race and age and gender and that would be very helpful. Um, it's just, it's how much do I want to to bug sources to to give me information? Um, so I'll see what I can do. But thank you, thank you very much for the easy chat, for the <laughs> the super chat. Uh, and everybody should listen to um, the NWA podcast, which you may be familiar with, uh, on the post wrestling podcast feed, where I imagine they'll be having uh, some some thoughts about this story on their next episode. Um, we had a
3: question from our team machine Uh, this might be a stupid question but does tv get money for ratings so yeah what happens here is is that if a program you know performs in a positive manner whether demographics were of the advertisers looking for advertisers are going to put more money towards you know advertising on television programs depending on the performance and that's what comes on the tv rights deals and all that
2: yeah i mean it's a relatively new phenomenon that Wrestling programs are getting guaranteed money. Um, it used to be not you know not that long. Let's say the Attitude Era, I think, um, where it was they were just getting their advertising money. WWE was selling their advertising money themselves um, or selling their advertisements themselves. Um, but uh, in the case of of WWE, WWE is popular enough, valuable enough that. Their money is all guaranteed, at least in the U.S. Their money is all guaranteed from NBC Universal and from Fox. NBC Universal and Fox sell the ads that you see during Raw and SmackDown. They keep that; the networks keep that money. They don't share it with the WWE. WWE is getting four to five million dollars per episode. I believe four million dollars per episode on an average annual basis for SmackDown. Five million dollars per episode on an average annual basis for Raw, um, and that's what they get. Doesn't matter what their viewership performance is. Ratings go up, ratings go down, W makes the same amount of money for the duration of their contract. Now, it's important to to keep ratings strong because uh, to keep your partner happy and so that you're an attractive con- piece of content for people to uh, for networks to to want to pay a lot of money for in your next round of negotiations. So it's important to 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 WWE and AEW or anybody to do strong ratings because of that. In the case of AEW, um, their contract is not all guaranteed. I believe most of their comp- compensation is guaranteed money, uh, but there is some of it that is variable, depending on how well their their ad sales go. And um, it has been explained to me that <sighs> television advertisements are advertisers are guaranteed a certain performance a certain viewership probably in a given demo um and if the if the if the advertiser if the network you know meets that that guarantee uh great everything's wonderful uh, if they don't then they have to do make goods which i think it's something near this and maybe exactly this, but maybe at least near this. That if they don't meet that that guarantee, then they have to do make goods, which is basically the the network using its unsold inventory that is, is unsold ad units, ad slots, uh, get inserted on on some other program where the, where the inventory is not sold, and they make it up to to that number of impressions or something like that. Um, yeah, and that's how it was a lot.
3: But in the night, I read the, when I read the Nitro book. That's how a a lot of it was for WCW programming throughout the 90s was it was just like, hey, and we'll also throw in wrestling. And they're like, okay, whatever. But it was basically free (laughs) for for, for the major
2: advertisers. Yeah, there is wrestling has a a reputation of being the depository for make good advertisements, I think. Um, And then uh, just
3: Dickie just has a comment for us. He goes, Happy New Year's, guys. Uh, Have always been a fan of your work. Love you are doing this important episode. Well, thank you, Dickie.
2: Thank you. Yes, I I believe Dickie Bird made the uh, the the post wrestling intro, which is amazing for their that they've been using on their daily news update.
3: All right, so uh, we will
2: move on here to do, the WWE. So this was an, an indie show. This is a picture of from an from an indie show, I think that you were at <laughs> right. What is this?
3: No, no, no. That, that, were, you, were you the that rain officer picture. for this? What what is this? <laughs> from the WWE holiday tour. Did you take Thursday. this picture? Um, I don't know if I took it that long. I I did send Russell Ticks quite yes. a few pictures. He was asking about certain sections and yes. I tried to get pictures of them and all. I was, of, I was in I was but, in the uh, DMs.
2: I was in the DMs with Russell Tix, and I was like I told Gallo to send you some pictures. He's like, "Oh yeah, he's been really helpful."
3: <laughs> yeah, so I, I I don't remember if I actually cuz I don't think I think I took a lot of mine from the uh like walkway when you're going down where the ushers are to kind of get a full perspective. I don't think I got that low.
2: I know there's probably some other people sending him photos as well. Um, now, but, I always, I always uh, want to ask when you, when I see pictures like yes. this and I see the ring is empty, is this really, is this like, if, if I imagine bell time is like seven, is this like six o'clock when nobody's there yet? Or is this, is this how it looked throughout the show?
3: I would say it was just a little bit more than that. So with the photos that I, this is why I don't think this is a photo. I sent. the photos that I sent to Russell takes. I took, as soon as Byron Saxon said the show has begun, and those were my original photos, and the other photos were just while a match was going on. Um, you know, I believe Mansoor and uh, um, his name escapes me. The from from the old oh, Ridge Holland mm-hmm. were where, where wrestling each other. So I was I was pretty fair in that. You know, I'm I was going to be fair, and you know, when he asked me for photos, I waited till the show actually started. Uh, you know, and waited till pretty much everybody was back from intermission to take the other photos. Okay, which we'll talk
2: about in a second. So, so is this what it looked like? This is what it looked like. It. it, it I would say it looked representation. It, it
3: was probably a, it was a little. It was more full than that.
2: Okay. So that this is this is part of the anti-W propaganda then.
3: That was probably taken. I'd say at seven, seven fifteen, even even. What what time did the show start? Seven thirty.
2: Okay. Um. WrestleTix has the final count. We're focusing on Buffalo because we live in Buffalo, but uh, WrestleTix, WrestleTix had the final count at three thousand seven hundred thirty-one for Buffalo, uh, the thirtieth Thursday. Um, that was so. WrestleTix has this chart of North American house shows that I've that I've turned ninety degrees into a bar chart. Um, this was one of the one of the lower performing house shows that W has done. Uh, Grand Rapids was comparable. Uh, Corpus Christi was lower. Charleston, West Virginia was lower and Syracuse, New York was lower. This is within the last month, month, month and a few weeks. Um, <clears throat> so well below average for WWE, but you know, and we look at the, um, the average for, uh, events for W and AEW, always noting that yes, WWE is running way more events. Um, this includes house shows, and, uh, and TV tapings. It's notable, though, that this, this last week of December is usually a really strong period for them. Um, we'll talk about Madison Square Garden in a moment. Um, but uh, we've got an average in December of 6,153 for AW 6,200 uh, to WB's 5,600. So for the second month in a row, on an average basis, we've got five AEW shows to twenty WWE shows uh, in the month prior, November seven AEW shows to twenty one WWE shows. Uh, but for for the second month in a row, and I guess this is three out of the last four months because because of September, um, AEW has a stronger average attendance. Um, it would be more fair to look at this uh, by t- just by TV tapings for for WWE, looking at Raw and SmackDown versus whatever TV tapings uh, AEW is doing, that would be more fair. Unfortunately, we don't have that prepared. But um, it's even that besides, I think this is meaningful towards the story of W's not doing as well. I mean, it, that, that AEW is doing at least comparably to WE, which, I don't know. Uh, AEW is not a company that existed uh, three years ago or maybe it just launched in fact three years ago had ran no events and uh something is happening here in the wrestling industry um so what's so
0: special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to
1: Hero.co to shop today. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check.
3: So just my thoughts because that that WB Live event that I attended Thursday night was probably the first uh live event I WB live event I've attended in quite a few years, especially a house show. It's been a few years since I've seen a house show there. Um now, uh my ticket uh was free as a friend of mine won tickets on the radio and said, Hey, he knew I was the wrestling guy. He's like, Hey, you wanna go? It's like sure, why not? <laughs> so, so you're uh, a cop. I knew mul- I knew multiple t- people that won tickets off the radio. Uh yeah. It seemed just by the comments behind me, the two the middle aged men that were making various interesting comments throughout the night probably won their tickets on the radio. I don't think they paid for, like, who's this guy? Who is this person? Who's that person? So, um, I think there was a, probably a lot of comps. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one, the critiques, I have two critiques with it for just for like wrestling experience. The matches were great, the talent did well. But the two critiques I have is that Byron Byron Saxon started the show with, hey, as COVID has affected the world, we unfortunately had to make changes to tonight's event. But the talent that are here, they're here to put on a great show for you. Never started with, hey, ladies and gentlemen, Roman Reigns is not here this evening if you would want a refund. This is something that they used to do. I remember them doing this specifically once where John Cena was supposed to be at a WWE show in Buffalo, and they – and they offered a refund. It, you know, you can get a, get a refund up to intermission, and then yeah, of course you had to leave. If you
2: got your refund. Um, they did not offer that. Did, for... And they they didn't. So Roman Reigns was advertised for this. Yes. And Roman, they did not tell you that Roman Reigns wasn't going to be there. They just told you that some people aren't going to be here. Yeah.
3: If you go on the internet, you knew because you knew he wasn't in Baltimore the night before, and you heard you saw the reports that he was pretty much taken off the holiday tour.
2: No one reads the internet; um, it's a vocal minority.
3: Yeah, so, so yeah, I I feel as as, as a ring announcer myself, and we have battled this throughout the the last few years. Like, when do you announce a cancellation to the audience? And I think just lead off with it. it, it you have to you have to let them know because if you got the fans stringing along, oh maybe maybe they're here. What the kid? Well, think of the 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 kid that doesn't read the internet, and he's like, oh I can't wait to see Reigns, and Reigns never shows up.
2: I think that uh, telling, being as upfront as early as possible, being as transparent as possible with people is worth, even though that may cause you more quick pain, uh, more immediate pain. I think it's, you're earning the trust of your customers, which is is not something that uh, wrestling companies historically seem to value uh, as much as I think they should. Um, I've had many arguments about this subject (laughs) with with someone. And (laughs) and that's why I said
3: we, when I because we do have this conversation with people. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, uh, One other thing I want to say from the live event too, and and this might not be a WWE issue, but it was something to me who has participated in a lot of live events across wrestling comedy. Um, You know, I've actually helped put on music shows as well. So they went to intermission at nine o'clock. As I walked out into the hallways of the Key Bank Center, Buffalo, New York, 95% of the stands that were open before the show started were closed. Mm -hmm. Concessions.
2: Concessions.
3: And I said something to, I asked one of the workers who was like cleaning up and I said, what's going on here? Like, she's like, well, we were told there was no intermission from our bosses. So I don't know if that was an arena issue or a WWE issue, but that's a major, major like folly on somebody's. I mean, that's missed financial opportunity there
2: mm-hmm.
3: and it's only an hour and a half in it in the show to close all the concessions when you go to a sabers game they start doing the third period you know which is about two hours into the into the game
2: so they did an intermission with no concessions
3: there was two stands open in the whole the arena thing. yeah it's three levels yeah but the 300 level was closed off well the you're right of course <laughs> Two hundred level doesn't really have concessions, so really the majority of concessions are one hundred levels. And we yeah. walked around the arena because, full disclosure, I was trying to find a beer. <laughs> walked around the arena because the two food stands in a row, but did not have beer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> um. Yeah. M- maybe we can hook up W with uh, Riverworks or something. Yeah, the maybe, maybe, s- yeah. be, be smaller venue, uh, a few blocks away, uh, that we've run indie shows at. i um, been a part of indie shows at. Um, all right. can, uh, before I, we move I, on, I the next do topic, wonder. I, let me. Let me oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Ramble about this. I, I do wonder if, and if people have raised this this issue to me, like, why are they running these big venues? I can understand the holiday tour because you expect attendance to be a lot better than it was, but um, why, why, why are we running? You know, what 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 would be a pay per view sellout? What would be a, a really full sellout at 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 this venue? It would probably be like 11 or something like that, eleven thousand. And you've got, you've put under 4,000 in there, a lot of it not paid. I mean, that, that's like a third, a third full. Why are we running the, the most expensive venue in the city, in the, in the, in the metro area to, to do this? Is, is there a benefit in, a, you know, uh, fortifying and reinforcing a relationship with, with this venue when you do run raw here and it sells better? Maybe. Um, and you look at that live events uh, division and uh, it's lost money in, in many quarters uh, pre-pandemic. And I expect I would be this, this, this is just barely included in Q4. I expect this, this Q4 uh, live events division to, uh, to report a loss in an in operating income, which uh, I am, I am uh, scrambling to open the trending schedules to show you that that's really the case. Um, If we look at, if I can make this, just we'll quickly look at this. This is on W's corporate website. It's something that W reports themselves. Um, If we look at, so obviously W is super profitable. W is going to report a billion dollars in revenue and it's going to report its all time highest, most profitable year ever in February when it reports on the full year of 2021. But they do tell us, we can look at this in a way so that you can see it. um, But they do tell us by division how profitable, uh, each division was, and if we look at, we've got 2019 on on this time span here, and where we can see that in the, th- so the entire you know 2019, there's no pandemic, and uh, there's only one profitable, one positive operating income quarter for WWE, and that was the WrestleMania quarter where they reported uh, 12.4 million dollars in operating income in the live events division. As you can see, the media division is is. Much more profitable. Uh, but they basically broke even. Negative $200,000 in Q1. Lost $3.5 million in Q3. Lost a $1 million in Q4. Does it make sense to run all these house shows? If your attendance is going to be that weak? Q3 was great. Average attendance was amazing in Q3. Why are you running house shows though? Um, there's some values in it. You're marketing. You're going to a town and establishing memories for fans who may spend and engage with W more later because they were there. That's a value hard to assess what that value is. Um, You're giving performers experience. That has a value again, hard to assess what that value is, but, but that, that has a real value. I think that's a value that is really needed for their developmental, especially when you're signing more non wrestlers than ever before. Yeah, this is a, this is questionable. Why are you doing this? Um, house shows for the entire history, well, my my entire memory, have always been these weird settings where nothing really matters. You kind of, if you're a halfway paying attention wrestling fan, you know that nothing matters. Nothing of consequence is going to happen here. It's isolated. The things of consequence happen on television. So, no wonder the attendance isn't that good for these events. I don't know. Anyway,
3: Uh, just a few comments real quick about what you said there. Um, As far as no consequences, I mean, here's the thing, too. If you're a a fan that goes on the Internet, this was the same exact lineup in card and results that happened in Baltimore the night before. Right. So there is no change. You're still doing that. Um, Yeah, go ahead. Keep going. Oh, i was just saying. And as far as the house show perspective, we we see financially other than, you know, uh, Q3, it's not. A, you know a, a gain for WWE um and for the talent themselves to lighten that workload schedule right. would be probably huge uh one thing I had to say you bring up experience though especially for these wrestlers they'll be coming up through the next in line program and whatnot there's been that narrative out there I think like uh you know I know Chris Elner from Between the Sheets always brings it up uh about Nick Khan Con- I mean, actually having like a WWE like live event experience in las vegas with like shows and that might be where you get these guys experience where they you know three shows a day in las vegas you know from september to 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 may and that's where they're going to get their experience in front of fresh tourist crowds
2: yes speaking i should probably mention this at the top speaking of between the sheets Sellner, I'm going to not, not on this live stream that people are watching on YouTube, but later in the program, we'll be talking to David Bixenspan about some uh, research he's been doing related to pay-per-view buys. So I'll be recording that later today. And that'll be at in the uh, latter por- portion of this podcast. Um
3: One other uh, question from super chat uh, from RT machine, Does picture and picture commercials give the same about same amount of
2: money. Uh, the normal commercials. If, if you, thank you for the super chat. If you look at, if if you go back and watch one of the live streams that I did with Chris Harrington, who's the founder of this podcast and the senior vice president of business strategy for AEW, I asked him that question. I think it was on one of our remote streams. Um, and he paused and he said, he said, he said something to the effect of, the fact that we do p- picture in picture means that it works. Um, I think I was actually asking him, do, do advertisers find that as valuable? Um, do they feel like it's distracting from their message? Um, so what, what was the original question again? Uh, is is the, it the, the same t- amount of money as a normal commercial? I, I don't know. I mean, I imagine it's um, whatever it is. They, they've calculated that it's worth it. it, it pro- what it probably does, what I would theorize it does, is that it, it drives retention better what we see in the minute by minute viewership is you can you know what, what what's a draw what's what what's not a draw you know it's not any wrestler more than anything it's 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 the commercials when a commercials on tv that audience dips by like 20% commercials over yeah they come back uh in in mostly um so i imagine picture in picture lessens that lessens that tune out that comes with um a commercial break so there's some value to gain there in um, the C1, C2, C3. What, what is that? When we talk about uh, live plus same day, that's the viewership that happens live and within the same day. And sometimes you hear people talk about uh, live plus three. That's all the live viewership plus the three days afterward, viewership on DVR and delayed viewing. Then live plus seven, which is just the same thing, but but plus seven days. But what really matters as far as meeting the what the advertiser paid for is the C1 C2 C3 rating that is the measurement of the viewership that was happening during the commercial um so i imagine picture in picture helps retain the viewership to to that that will actually appear happen during the commercial breaks so i imagine it, it has there's there's some sort of strategy or calculation that that that, that helps them. So, I would have, I would believe that if if they're, if they're doing it, they've they found and they've been doing it for quite a long time that they found that that's an effective strategy. I'm just curious that that, that happens during AEW shows and, and NXT, but I don't think that happens during Raw or SmackDown. For what it's worth, I mean, if you think Raw, I mean, NBC Universal is doing it during NXT for you on know, the USA Network. Why why are they not doing it during Raw? I could be wrong. I'm not not an not a, a an average raw viewer, but I think that's what's happening.
3: All right. Uh we'll move on uh here and we actually uh uh Fightful reported this on Monday. Uh the Performance Center talent was informed this past weekend that they're no longer required the twice weekly COVID testing that has previously been mandatory. We've also learned the W Main roster also got an email being informed that weekly testing isn't required. We were not told if there was a vac- vaccination qualifier added to that ruling, uh, and the observer on Friday, we're told AEW was still testing people weekly who were not fully vaccinated, but those fully vaccinated were not being tested, or at least not regularly. Other sources in the company only sa- only said that there is also more to that policy than that, without going into specifics. Yes.
2: So during a time when you know we look at the COVID rates, which I think I've got slides on here for. This was as of yesterday. The daily confirmed cases of COVID in the United States are like twice as high as they've ever been right now. Uh, you're just telling about someone who, who you know who has COVID uh, before we started recording. Uh, death rates are, are still lower than, than the worst of the worst here. Uh, because whatever, maybe it's Omicron, it's not as deadly. Maybe it's people are vaccinated, maybe both. Um, yeah. Uh, w decide, now, the NFL is doing something similar. Uh, they're not testing people who are vaccinated. Uh, so I, I imagine WV... And as we just uh, learned just before the premium live event last night, Roman Reigns has COVID. Um, so, uh, uh, you know, NFL is not doing this. Imagine Vince said, well, goddamn, if the NFL isn't doing it, why are we doing it? Um, now, I think, well, what about AEW? Everybody, uh, there was a lot of outrage on Twitter when this uh, story came out. And I think... A great example of and maybe this this story with uh, you know tony Khan tweeting about big swall is, is some, something like that too as a component of what's happening here is that um, issues like this especially on twitter but not limited to twitter are the judgment that you bring or don't bring to decisions like this or actions like this i think you have a lot a lot of it has to do with is determined by how much does this person or entity have the benefit of the doubt still, uh, and WB with a lot of people does not have the benefit of the doubt, um, and and I noticed that no one was really asking or wondering about what's 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 with AEW. But I mean, reporters were, and I was talking to some who, who were trying to find out, and I I I asked uh, two people at AEW, neither of them responded to me about what the what the the latest was with their their COVID testing, uh, but the observer. Did report this in the latest. Uh, Meltzer reported this in the latest uh, edition of the Observer.
3: All right, uh, and then uh,
2: you, want, you want to read mm, the Observer what? thing? Oh, I I did. You did? I read both. Yeah. Oh, I've not been paying attention. Okay, that's <laughs> okay. <clears throat> yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I, I read both. So yeah, I don't know. I I, I let's uh let's talk about the uh, Canadian cancellation. The, the Toronto cancellation and we'll go back and talk about MSG.
3: Yeah. So uh, this was from the Coca-Cola Coliseum, uh, the WWE live event uh, scheduled for December 29, 2021 at Coca-Cola Coliseum in Toronto has been rescheduled to Sunday, March 27, 2022. And then uh, we have, he, he, let's see here. And then I, there isn't a tweet about this, but I am pretty sure they canceled the, uh, the event that was supposed to be in Quebec. Yeah. The same night as the WWE show.
2: Yeah, where so. you know you've got other countries, even in Canada, where their vaccination rate is higher, uh, in Japan where COVID cases are far lower per capita, um, take they take this much much more seriously, or the restrictions are are far stronger uh, in those countries than here. I don't. I mean, I've been on. I was on the the PWI podcast uh, a few days ago, and. uh yeah, and they were asking me, you know, what I what I think is going to happen. I don't think the United States is going to roll back. I mean, did you? How many people were masked in Buffalo in that arena? What would you say the percentage was? Oh, oh, it's it's zero because it's total vaccination. Oh, you had to prove
3: vaccination at least. Okay. Right. Yes, you had to prove vaccination, but I did a independent wrestling show yesterday. Yes, and believe it or not, in in, in a county that is traditionally red. Uh, 99% of the fans were masks the
2: whole
0: time. Okay.
2: Um, yeah. I don't think the United States is going to roll back ever from this. I think, you, you know, people in the United States have decided that this is enough. And, you know, I mean, it's, it's there's a lot of, you know, you, you you drive a car and we've decided that driving a car is, 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 is worth the deaths that come with it. And flying planes is worth the deaths that come with it. Um, people in the United States are not going to roll back. Uh, maybe they should but I don't think we're going to see live events roll back. Um, is that a factor in these attendances that we're seeing? Um, would the Buffalo attendance be higher? Would the MSG attendance be higher? You know, there's, there's, there's snow on the ground. And, uh, and on Thursday, you know, impact was on TV. Well, actually nobody watches impact, but yeah, you know, there was a, uh, you know, uh, it's cold out right now. People want to stay home and uh, you know, people are, people text now and there's, there's gaming and there's there's tick, TikTok is a big thing now. You know that TikTok is is out there and you know all of that W is competing with. They're a media company, okay? They're not just wrestling. They're doing all of it. Marvel the the Spider-Man movie just came out. Really really popular. So The Matrix uh, movie. The Matrix movie. Yeah, I mean there's Netflix. So, um MSG I know um, Meltzer's saying that it's the, the lowest draw since not the 1930s. Uh, we do have some Polestar data, uh, and this is the lowest that we've got on, in the Polestar. The Polestar data is not a complete record of every W event, but it's a, it's a fair sample. Um, some, something like a third to a half of, of the, of the W events in the last you know, 20 years are in there. Uh, we don't have an attendance that's as slow uh, for, for MSG. Um, WrestleTix has a tweet here mentioning the last two years. I believe these are Polestar numbers. Uh, Polestar numbers are tickets sold. And I don't know how Polestar gets this information, but I, I, I am told that these numbers reflect the ticket master ticket audits. So this, it it doesn't get much more real than that. Um, so the W always does a holiday tour MSG show. Uh on in in, in twenty nineteen and twenty eighteen, on December twenty sixth, same day, day after Christmas, they did a an MSG show. Uh 2019, 10,795. Year before that, 13,032. This year, what did they do, though? How, how many, how many, how many tickets distributed did Russell tickets? Six thousand eight hundred and thirty-eight. Wow. Uh I hear the Knicks are drawing okay in the same venue. Same vaccination requirement. I hear the Sabres are, despite... How are the Sabres doing this year so far?
3: Uh, not a playoff team, but not as bad as we thought they would be. They're not the worst team in the league. Okay, so not a winning team. But their attendance has been absolutely terrible. It's low as in the NHL. Is it? How low yes. are we talking? Uh, 8,000 average was the last thing that came out a couple weeks ago.
2: Okay, 8,000. What did, what did they draw for, uh, for WD in Buffalo? I drew three thousand yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. So why is why is the tendency slow for uh MSG? Um I mean I, I it
3: could be the product, it could be the general interest in the product. It could also like I mean COVID could be a factor. You know, Nick's I think are, it Nick's was are, a bit Nick's of are a okay.
2: in I think Nick's sold out MSG maybe recently, like days before this. Yeah. Probably the um,
3: current pr- product to, to the general fan.
2: I, I think he, here's a real factor, though. Uh, in in the 117 days, our friend Corey Gibson, who does great research for us all the time here. Uh, I should probably put him in the credits as a special thanks. Um, put this together, this listing of, I believe the, the Observer reported the same thing. It's probably also from Corey. Not credited, though. Um, from September 10th, your phone's right, on, right in front of the camera, though. <laughs> oh, okay. from S- september 10th to january 5th uh there will have been nine events in the tri-state area uh WMSG for smackdown in september the uh new york prudential center aw dynamite aw dynamite at arthur Ashe survivor series at barclay center raw at barclay center raw at ubs arena Dynamite at UBS arena. This is in Long Island. Uh, W house show at MSG on December 26th. And then AEW is going to the Prudential center again in New York this Wednesday for, for dynamite. So a lot of events. Is there anything comparable to that? Uh, Really just examples from the hottest period in the history of wrestling in 98, 99 and 2000 uh, where, you know, WCW ran two events and WF ran six events uh, and uh, WCW in in ninety eight or in two thousand ran one event, and WF ran seven events. Uh, those attendances were much stronger <laughs> uh, in that period. Uh, I, I won't I won't go through the numbers, but you can see them on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, yeah, so there's all that.
3: All right, yeah. Uh, any uh, final thoughts on this holiday tour stuff? Not really. Or just live events in general. Not
2: really for now. We do have. Uh, as I was scrambling to get ready, I'm gonna have to. We're gonna have to look at the straight up Excel spreadsheet. Um, YouTube numbers. Can you see this? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have I have it uh, up here. No, that's old. That's slides. old. I didn't. I
3: didn't update it. Oh, it's old. Yeah. Okay.
2: All right. Yeah. So I uh, can't really see it, but no. I gotta. I'm gonna refresh this data. You're gonna see this live in the air. Look at all this data I've got here. It's in the Excel spreadsheet. The Python script hits YouTube every hour, every sixty minutes. Task scheduler opens up. It hits YouTube and it asks it not just about WDNAW, but about some twenty YouTube channels. And uh, let's see here. What have we got? The most, the most watched YouTube video. New content, new content only posted in the last seven days. And we say after twenty four hours, what was your view count? Number one, Raw. Almost a million. 900,000 views for the top 10 moments of Raw. Uh, the top five slots are all WWE. Edge soaks Miz in the black blood. No, it's not blood. It's it's a brood bath. We can't say blood. That would be too violent. Number three, the top 10 moments of SmackDown. Uh, number four, Miz and Maurice are distraught after the brood bath at their wedding. Number 10, the top 10 moments of SmackDown. I feel like I just said that. Number three is okay. the most surpri- Excuse me, the most surprising moments of SmackDown, and uh, this is from separate weeks. Apparently, this this is still within the last seven days. Both of these are.
3: Can I just uh, ask a question here? Like while we're going through this, mm-hmm. does this kind of show how WB is being consumed in the aspect of people are probably just watching the top ten moments instead of actually watching Raw and SmackDown to let's, consume let's, what actually
2: happens. Let's imagine up? a really favorable case for WWE. Where maybe they're watching the top ten, and then maybe they're picking and choosing the other moments that they also watch. I don't know. You know? Who knows? By the way, these are these are global numbers too. Um,
3: because I've done that. I've like not watched rounds, Mac do watch the top tens. You watch the you top a good ten. Good recap. Yeah.
2: yeah. Um Look, when people have asked me about this before, I think it, I think you you have to do YouTube. If you're not doing YouTube, that would be foolish. Uh, it generates some money, not a lot. It's on it's on the level of for what WWE. Would be a, a, A decent international deal. I think this is about $30 million per year for them. Their biggest international TV deal is India. $50 million. This is probably on the level of what they're getting from the UK, though. Um, But anyway, uh, if you're seeing, though, a migration of of views from linear to to digital, which I don't know how you would track, but let's let's say lots of people who used to watch through actual TV are now watching or just picking it up through through YouTube or whatever. I think, well, part of that is a change in behavior and in the way that people consume media. The cable bundle subscriptions are declining. Yeah, people are using digital forms of media far more. But I think all what's also a component to, to that that is contributing to that change in behavior in W's case in particular is probably the urgency which with which or the lack of urgency with which it's purely speculation on my part, but the lack of urgency with which Fans feel that they have to consume this content. If, I, if this is a big deal and it feels really consequential and important, I'm more wa- likely to watch it live. If it sucks, I'll watch it later, maybe. Um, and we see that especially in younger age groups where the, what, what the episodes that are most often, uh, the, re- the episodes that are, are really highly viewed also tend to be the episodes that uh, are especially high in 18 to 34 viewership, young adults. Um, Look at that CM Punk episode where he debuted in Rampage. The median age was 43, among the lowest that I've ever seen. Um, Anyway, number six, finally, is watch how Cody Rhodes became the first TNT champion. Um, And we could go on from there. We have to scroll to number 64 before we see another company's YouTube video here, which is Noah. With only eighty-three thousand views, um, so Noah beating out New Japan. It's not not till a few slots later at seventy that we see a New Japan video. These are the the, the Noah videos that performed this well are both Kenta. They have Kenta in them. I can see that in, in the uh, romaji. Um, something that I want to start to look at, and we'll look at briefly here, and then before and we'll let you go, all, Um You can go to I go to Social Blade, which is a, a which is also how we looked at the uh, the Tony Khan tweet rate. Um, and you can get the total count of W's YouTube views theoretically, mm-hmm. notwithstanding any 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 videos that they delete or or set to private. Um, basically, I want to know how much of their views are new content that's actually been published in the last seven days, and how much of it is not. So it's from everything that's seven you know older than seven days. They have a massive library uh, on YouTube, and what I found was that for for AEW, it looks like, within the last seven days, about 70% of AEW's YouTube views in the last seven days are of content posted in the last seven days. 70% for AEW. Makes sense, and is obviously a newer company with only a couple years of history. For WWE, it's about 18%. 18% of their views in the last seven days are of content posted in the last seven days. So what well, I can say, what nostalgia. Well maybe who knows. It could be just, I mean, probably not, but it could be could be from stuff posted uh, 2 weeks ago rather than 1 week ago. <laughs> but, you know, I think I think that's a, a really uh exemplary stat in that WWE is empowered by this massive legacy. It's decades of domination of the wrestling space. You see that manifest in YouTube views where People are looking at, uh, you know, I've, I've had people ask me, well, how much of those YouTube views are, are, are actually new content? How much of it is people just going back and looking at old stuff? Well, maybe 70-30, 70% maybe is, is old stuff. Um, and it's a way in which their massive legacy, their massive video library uh, can obscure their apparent success. And it's still valuable. I mean, you, old, old content on YouTube is probably generating the same kind of Ad revenue that new content is, um, yes, it's all compromised by, by by you know being largely outside the U.S. and which so so the impressions aren't as valuable and it lowers the CPM. But uh, it's uh, I I want to look at it at least partly separated. We can look at two different views at least about what how many views is your new content attracting? How popular is is this? I'm pointing at my TV. That's right above the monitor. How, how popular is this content? Not just people going back and watching stuff from all different years and eras. Um, and that tells us if we see trends in that, then that, that informs how, what we might expect when we look at television ratings, attendance, merchandise sales, and things of that nature. That's it.
3: All right. Uh, one thing we did want to discuss, you already alluded to it earlier, uh, in the show, but, uh, WWE now calling its pay-per-views premium
2: live events. Yes. The, the press releases have been retconned. They are not pay-per-views anymore, which makes sense. They're not primarily consumed through pay-per-view. Premium live events. I, I would like to have listened in on the meetings where they ruminated over what they would, were going to call them. You think uh, Michael Hayes said, oh, what about a supercard? <laughs> it's too wrestling. Um, <laughs> awesome. but like the 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 press release on the corporate website has been changed not just the headline but all these little bullet points you know sunday may 8th premium event premium live event um it's not a big deal but it's just emblematic symptomatic of WWE's constant use of words that no one uses and just sort of the lack of transparency they, they could just be like hey look Michael Cole could be like, hey, look, we, we know we haven't been primarily, you haven't been primarily watching this through pay-per-view and, you know, since, since 2014, we've decided that we're going to call them premium live events now, but there's, it's just like, poof, nope, premium live events, premium live, premium live event, as if pay-per-view, no, we never called them pay-per-views. It was always, always this way, this sort of 1984 lack of respect for the viewer, um, in isolation. If this if they only ever did if if this was the only time that they ever did something like this, yes, it would be complaining about things for no reason. But it's a symptom of a larger disease. All right. Okay. Uh that that's all for for now. Uh I'll be talking to David Bixenspan in a moment if you're listening on audio. Um if you're watching live, that'll be on your podcast app uh later tonight. Uh please hit the like, hit the thumbs up if you like this. It helps people discover it and uh, discover WrestleNomics. Uh, subscribe if you haven't already. Share it. Uh, give us a nice review on your podcast app if you're listening that way. Uh, the live TV ratings talk happens on this YouTube channel, the WrestleNomics YouTube channel, every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, where we go deep into depth. And that's mainly where all the live, where all the TV ratings discussion happens. Uh, you can also go to the Post Wrestling Discord and go into the WrestleNomics channel and discuss wrestling business there. Thanks as always to the Post Wrestling family for for distributing uh Wrestle The 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 holiday season is over and Post Wrestling John and John and we are finally back. And uh what plugs have you got?
3: Yeah, um first that we just released uh last week are uh deep dive into the ring of honor ccw war of late 2005 to the summer of 2006 um and i just want to personally because i know a lot of wrestlenomics listeners have migrated over to listening to rediscovering indies and myself and Jonathan ash we want to thank you guys we hit our all-time listener record in the month of December. wow so um really want to thank uh, everybody for listening and the ring of honor ccw episode's very uh, very good uh perspective and it's crazy to see the majority of the names that are involved now uh in AEW and WB and whatnot. So uh and you know how much how it, here's the thing I I the question I pondered. It may be the greatest interpromotional feat of all time because it didn't hurt either company.
2: <laughs> Which is rare. Uh yeah. yes. Yes. Um unfortunately we will not be not be having the meeting of, of Golo and Bix here to to discuss who did the better John Collins review. Uh <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they had uh, Bo James, so they got me on that one. Okay. You can subscribe to, to WrestleMonics on Patreon and get access to my almost everyday TV ratings reports. Patreon.com slash WrestleMonics for just $5 a month. It's early in the month. We're recording this on January 2nd. It's the best time to sign up, so you get that full month worth of value. Uh, you also get access on Patreon to the WrestleMonics viewership spreadsheet with 20, over 20,000 data points for TV ratings going back to late 2014 you can follow us on twitter at brandon thurston at chris Gulla, at Russellonomics at rti pod um and that, that's it we'll talk to you next time bye
0: what's so special about hero bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients hero bread supports gut health promotes weight management and helps maintain blood sugar Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net-carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to
1: Hero.co to shop today. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming.